Hey now, we are getting over, and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times, get it? With a bonus WWE episode of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. And we are creating this bonus episode today because none other than the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, is joining the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast ahead of the WWE Royal Rumble airing this Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, live on the WWE Network. And we felt, hey, if we're going to do a bonus episode on the go-home week for the Royal Rumble, we're going to have to get someone big, and there is almost no one bigger than the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. So I am very excited for you all to hear my interview with him coming up shortly, but we're going to touch on some other topics on this podcast as well. We will also discuss the WWE Superstar Spectacle, the special event that WWE created for India. We'll talk about that later on the show, and I will answer a couple DM slides from you as we await the Wednesday Night Wars between NXT and AEW, and of course, the WWE Royal Rumble on Sunday. For first-time listeners of this podcast, just a little bit of a heads up, we will have instant analysis of the WWE Royal Rumble as soon as the pay-per-view goes off the air Sunday night. So do not forget to hit that subscribe button. Do not forget to follow us on Twitter at GettingOverCast, and you will be able to listen to that episode as soon as it gets uploaded. Also, a good reason to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast, as you will be able to participate in our pre- and post-show polls for the Royal Rumble. And you can tweet us at any time about anything, and the Silver King normally responds. Also, do not forget to head on over to Apple Podcasts, drop a five-star rating and review, let people know how much you love this damn podcast. So with all of that business taken care of, with all of that out of the way, let's get right to it. My discussion with the multi-time WWE champion, the WWE Hall of Famer, and the two-time Royal Rumble winner, the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. Thrilled to welcome WWE Hall of Famer, the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, to the show ahead of the 2021 WWE Royal Rumble airing live this Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, on the WWE Network. Sean, this is your time of year, man. The Royal Rumble, the road to WrestleMania. I know things are obviously different this year with everything that's going on, but how much does the intensity ratchet up generally in the locker room when this part of the year rolls around? Yeah, well, I think that, uh, as you said, the excitement starts. You know know what's coming down the road, and this is obviously uh, the show that, points us in that direction, um, you know, to, to, to our Super Bowl, so to speak. Um, and so just from a, just from an overall morale standpoint, you get excited. Um, and you, and I will say, and it starts with the rumble in, in the respect that, uh, it's, it's one of those ones that you realize all the real hard work and pressure and anxiety and all those things are, are going to mount up soon after this um but this match in and of itself um is actually you know sort of a blast to be in and to be a part of and so this to me in a lot of ways is that 
last show where you can just go out there um, and really have a lot of fun and enjoy uh, the entire aspect of it because I don't think the rumble is where you feel a great deal of pressure and anxiety because there's just so much to it and so many different aspects to where you don't feel like you're carrying the weight of absolutely everything, you know, as opposed to being in there one-on-one with somebody uh, and absolutely every eye for 100% of the time is on you and your opponent. So um, there's a lot of reasons that the rumble um, is, you know, exciting from a fan and, uh, you know, a performer aspect, uh, but it's also a great deal of fun because it's sort of that last one where uh, I think you go into with a little less anxiety and nerves. Well, certainly no one forgets you're a two-time Royal Rumble winner yourself, 1995 and 1996. In that 95 match with you and the British Bulldogs starting and then finishing, plus the way the match was ended, the way that was booked, to me, it made it one of the most memorable. It was also, for me, one of the first ones I had ever seen at the time. Now, you had world title matches before that, but to me, that match and then the WrestleMania that followed made you a no-doubt main eventer and future champion. Do you look back on that rumble and kind of that season the same way that it established you? Or is there a different moment where you feel like you got set into that role? Well, I think that was certainly um, one of the, the, the bigger building blocks. You know, again, I always sort of, you know, I always sort of go back to that WrestleMania 10 ladder match, which is where mm-hmm. it sort of at least put me on the match from a performance standpoint to where people thought I might be able to be, you know, a, a main event performer at that point. But uh, the Rumble um, and, uh, and those appearances obviously then start setting you up for, yeah, again, a very tip top, you know, mm-hmm. uh, main event t- carrying the company type aspect, which, which again, are, they're both building blocks for two very different, uh, building blocks. Uh, the, the latter match, you still come out of it with a great amount of, uh, I don't know, again, joy, because I think that one flew under the radar. Um, now when you get to the rumble and winning and things like that, so when the pressure mounts a little bit more and a lot of eyes are on you about what you can or can't deliver in that respect. Um, so, yeah, look, I mean, I, I, I always uh, look at my career and as I look back, I can see different aspects of it to where it was, I don't, none of it was really sort of done on purpose, so to speak, mm-hmm. but it was a constant little build uh, to get there. Um and when you look back on it, it looks sort of genius, but a lot of it was honestly a happenstance that really sort of worked out when everything was said and done. For sure. Now, there's a lot of guys, you know, in any Rumble who come in and out five minutes, you know, a couple of entrants. Uh, you came back in 96 after going the entire distance in 95, which was actually a shorter Rumble because they, they shortened the time between entrants. But you came back in 96, won it again. I think you again spent more than 30 minutes or around 30 minutes in the ring and over your career, you actually have the fourth most time ever spent in the Royal Rumble match itself. You've also been in a ton of different stipulation matches, ladder matches, Hell in a Cell, 
Elimination Chamber, the Iron Man, which is obviously uh, it went over 60 minutes with Brett. What makes the Rumble, for someone who's in it for so long and ultimately comes out as a winner, so difficult and or special to compete in from a actual wrestling standpoint? The, you know, when you're going one-on-one, I feel like it's decently easy to work, easier to work with one individual person. But in the Rumble, there are so much stuff that's going on to be in those matches for so long. How tough is that as a performer? Well, so there's, again, a number of different aspects. So on one hand, you can go in there again, and there's a lot more improvisation, I guess, that can go on, um, which we always find uh, as performers fun and enjoyable. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you have to balance that with, again, there being a lot of other things going on in there that you may or may not know about, again, because it might just be, consistent of three guys who may have, you know, again, maybe do, doing something else that really doesn't have anything to do with you and making sure uh, all of that comes across. There's a lot of, go- there's a lot of things going on at the same time in there that may or may not concern you, you know, or that you are a part of, but you still have to be wary of it. Um, there's a lot of possibility for injury and, and, and things of that nature in those matches because there are so many bodies. So there's uh, an aspect of certainly uh, awareness uh, of being careful and being in the right place or staying out of the way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there's also the possibility of a lot of stuff going wrong, maybe something happening uh, that you didn't expect to happen. And so uh, it is coupled with, you know, I guess a little bit of, uh, concern and anxiety, but it's so big and so long that you feel less pressure, I think, to have to uh, make up for any of those things that may happen because, again, you do have a fair amount of time out there. Um, and there are a number of different aspects in that match that are going to happen that are going to be impactful or eventful. Um, and so if something does go wrong, it's not uh, it's not as glaring and it doesn't ruin the entire uh, story and idea of the match. And I think that's what makes the Rumble, again, so exciting. Plus, it's just a phenomenal concept. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's become so much more important and appreciative over the years. And I, I honestly think it's become uh, one of, certainly from a fan aspect, one of our best... Uh, sort of special events that, that, you know, I think it may be only second to, to WrestleMania or and perhaps SummerSlam, but it's it's now become, I think, one of the fans' favorites. No, I'm with you on that. I, you know, I, I know WWE really heavily promotes SummerSlam as that number two show, but for me as a fan, the Royal Rumble is always that marker every year where you say, oh my God, the Royal Rumble's coming up. I'm so excited. Certainly delivered last year in a major way. I thought one of the best Rumbles in this year People are looking forward to it as well. Not to make us feel too old, Sean, but what we were just talking about happened about 25 years ago to this point. If I told you then that 25 years later, you're still going to be involved in wrestling, you're going to be operating and helping uh, book something called NXT and working with young talent in the Performance Center with Paul and Road Dogg, would you have ever believed it? No, of course not. (laughs) And, and, and if you did, I'd have said, like, well, that doesn't sound like a recipe for success. <laughs> um, but, 
But it's all, all kidding aside, no, I, I certainly, uh, I would not have. Um, I sort of really, I don't know, I guess I figured, I could only think within the wrestling aspect of, of, the, of the wrestling business. And still always, again, having, I always enjoyed the creative side, but I just, um, I don't know, I, did, I didn't, I know you couldn't foresee the future. You just didn't know where television and programming and where this company was going to go 25 years ago. I just, it's gotten so much bigger and expansive than I think any of us could have planned. Again, you know, you know, Vince has always been a visionary. So perhaps, you know, he had an idea, but I, I have to tell you, I, I, I certainly didn't. Again, I can, I, I never forget about the 19 year old dude that got into this stuff thinking that, boy, wouldn't it be awesome to have your own apartment and a car, and, <laughs> you know, and, and I don't know. And, and, and just to be able to, I don't know, like even be home every night. I mean, here now, I mean, gosh, it's, we are part of a, you know, and I'm fortunate with NXT UK to be a part of two, you know, global brands, so to speak. And I can, you know, it's 60 miles from home. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, again, it really is not a big guy. To answer your question simply, not a chance. There's no way I would have been able to foresee what, where we're at and, and where I'm at. And I, I couldn't be more thankful about that. I think it really comes across, especially on those backstage documentaries on a network that always show kind of you and Paul and Gorilla for NXT, how excited you are seeing your guys' vision come to life. Now that you've been involved in NXT for a few years, you know, I, I guess it's this is maybe a little bit of an inside question, but I've been wondering how much autonomy do you and Paul feel like you have creatively compared to the other brands? And I was I've been wondering if anything to that end changed after moving to television and putting the show on USA Network. No, not that I'm again, not not that I'm aware of. Look, I mean, he obviously hunters the final say. Um, we've always sort of had. I think similar visions, similar ideas in, in, as far as creative and what we enjoyed about wrestling. Um, I'm still a huge wrestling fan. Uh, you know, when they're out there actually in the ring, I don't think anybody gets more joy out of that than I do. Um, so, and, and, and Hunter has just, look, he's learned so much more than me when it comes to again being able to I mean from a production standpoint I mean he could now produce a, a you know a movie <laughs> you know or, you know a motion picture for heaven's sakes and I'm again I'm enjoying very much learning that aspect uh, from him but I'm still I think we balance each other out in that I'm still sort of again the the wrestling fan part of it. Mm -hmm. um, the simplicity, the old Wild West aspect of it. Um, and together, I think he's able to take something that may be very raw that I might have as an idea and make it so much bigger uh, and and better than than what it was. And so I, in that aspect, I think we, you know, I think we work well together in that respect. To me, what I enjoy most, again, is just the learning aspect of this because, again, it's still a business. It's no different than when we were in the ring. It continues to evolve and change, and you have to adapt and adjust to all that. And to me, that's where all the enjoyment comes out of. Um, it keeps, I don't know, I guess I'm one of those people that 
I have such a, you know, in a good way, <laughs> such a boring life, you know, <laughs> on one hand that this is, this is the one job that, you know, and the one aspect of my life that continues to change and evolve in a positive way. Whereas in everything else in my life, I'm very fortunate to have, you know, wonderful stability in that respect. And so marrying those two worlds together has been, fan, you know, again, fantastic for me. And there just is nothing better than being able to work out there side by side with the guys you drove up and down the road with. You know, you add Brian in there and, you know, he's just so much fun. And he also, again, in all of his experiences, the SmackDown and stuff like that um, brings a lot of, uh, you know, of wisdom to, to the, you know, to the projects as well. So, again, look, it's just hard not to, again, to have a, a lot of fun working with your buddies, but continuing to still do and produce a, a serious, you know, uh, you know, entity that's, mm-hmm. that's received well and, and is good. Well, when you guys were all wrestling, you were infamously, and you can say the click or the extended click, you guys infamously, infamously were guys who would really push creative for opportunities and storylines. And Vince has always talked about, Superstars reaching, you know, for that brass ring. A few years ago, he said some of the superstars on the main roster maybe became a little bit complacent, you know, these days. Being one of those guys who was never complacent and now being a guy who's teaching the younger generation, is that a lesson that you're teaching to these superstars these days that you need to speak up for yourself? You need to kind of push for things you believe in? Or do you feel like things have changed in that regard a little bit? Well, so look, I still encourage um, participation, let's say. Again, I always try to make it very clear. Please try to understand it's not the same world. It's not the same business. Um, it's so much bigger. Nobody should handle it the way that I handle it. No one. Um, I always, But I have to balance that with honesty, and that is, letting them know that I don't know. I can't say for sure if I didn't at least push, you know, uh, myself and, and push the system a little bit. I don't know if I'd have gotten where I got. And, and, and you can, and, and, and it's always important creatively to be finding that the next big thing, the next movement, the next field, you know, again, if you're standing still, and plateauing, that's, you know, that's okay. But I would always, you know, encourage our guys and gals to, again, push for more. And and I always use the line that, that Vince gave me years ago, which is, look, so and I want you to just go out there, go, just go for it. And I'll, and I'll reel you in. And, and so and this generation, I think, does it with a lot more sense and sensibility than certainly <laughs> than I did. And, and so, um, Again, I think they've got a nice balance of it. But yeah, no, to answer your question, I do, I do, uh, you know, encourage them, you know, to push themselves and to continue to evolve and try to uh, grow as performers because I feel like they'll get stagnant and, you know, as you're saying, and complacent. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, that's a delicate, that's a delicate balance um, uh, for them to, 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 you know, to have to adjust to. Um, and they've got to do it on their time. I, I always make sure that I tell them, like, don't do it if you don't, you know, again, if, it, if it's out of your nature, by all means, don't do it. But if it is something you truly passionately feel, I think you're going to feel better, at least 
expressing it. Um, and as long as it's expressed professionally and, you know, and well, well mannered, um, certainly in this place in NXT, everyone's allowed to have a voice. Um, you know, you, I, you just can't, you know, have the voice that I had 25 years ago. <laughs> and I think that's good advice, even beyond wrestling for people in a job, you know, f- feel free to express yourself, but always do it in a respectful manner. So that way it doesn't blow back on you and hurt you more than it otherwise would. I'll get, I'll get you out of here on this, Sean. I may be putting you in a tight spot here, but if you had to pick one NXT superstar, male or female, to have a breakout 2021, Ooh. or even just someone fans need to keep their eyes on going forward, who do you want to single out? Oh my goodness. That is a tough one. Oh my. Well, I guess it all depends on who you think is, I don't know, breakout. So I'm going to, I guess I'll say somebody that is not currently out there. Sure. That works. Mm. Son of a biscuit. Or even someone who's just caught your eye where you're kind of, impressed at their, the progress they've made and you believe that they have an even brighter future than we've seen so far. Yeah. Well, so look, I think, I think, I think Shotzi's one, I think Austin Theory's one, and I think Zia Lee, you know, uh, is, is another. And again, they're, again, and they've all sort of been out there in, in, in some capacity. Um, but I guess I was, Zaya, I think is one and that whole group, you know, uh, I, and I never pronounce it right. Chin Sha, uh, I think is going to be something that's going to be, uh, pretty impressive, um, in, in the very near future. Awesome. Well, I appreciate all the time, Sean. Thank you very much. And I hope you enjoy the 2021 Royal Rumble airing this Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern live on the WWE network. I appreciate you joining us today. All right. Thank you very much. Thrilled that we were able to talk to Shawn Michaels, head of the Royal Rumble. I appreciate WWE for helping me get that together. I found it extremely interesting during that interview how much reverence Shawn actually has for the Royal Rumble event. Because as I started getting into WWE when I was younger, really Shawn Michaels is the wrestler and the Royal Rumble was the event that really got me on the road to loving the product and getting involved in wrestling. I started watching in the early 90s, probably just a couple years before that, but the Royal Rumble match 1995 with Shawn Michaels and the British Bulldogs starting at one and two, finishing as the final two guys in the ring. Shawn getting thrown over the rope, one foot on the floor, moving his way back in and then tossing the British Bulldog over the top rope. I was a British Bulldog fan at the time. I wanted Bulldog to win that match. I hated Sean so much for doing that. And then only to basically come back one year later in 1996, eliminate Diesel, go on to WrestleMania, have the match with Bret Hart. I mean, that really set Sean's career into the stratosphere. That Mania did against Bret, but everything leading up to it, as he mentioned, the latter match at WrestleMania 10, both of those Royal Rumble matches, to me, really set Sean apart and let you know this guy is here to stay. And I think he got to prove it in those matches. So it was cool kind of recounting those a little bit with him, hearing about his thoughts on NXT working there and who he expects to have big years in 2021. Just fascinating stuff. And I once again appreciate Sean for taking the time to join us and WWE 
for helping make that happen. Now, there are some other things to talk about today before we get out of here. I wanted to touch on the WWE Superstar Spectacle, which was a unique event that WWE created for India. I believe it was normally a two-hour show. It first aired in India, and then I think it was earlier this week, maybe on Tuesday, uh, they put it live on the WWE Network. It was about 90 minutes. Is it something that is must-watch as a WWE fan? I would say no. Did I find it interesting to just kind of have on and, and peek over at and see what was happening? Yeah, I did. I thought WWE did a great job presenting it, introducing a lot of its Indian talent, some of whom you have seen before, most of whom you have not, or at least you don't know much about. So it kind of gave you like a nice rundown of some of these people. The matches weren't particularly great, but we did see entertaining stuff from AJ Styles and then in the main event as well. So I felt, hey, it was, I think a five match card. We might as well break it down. It'll take a couple minutes. And you know, if you guys like what you hear, then go watch it. So the main event was Drew McIntyre and Indu Shur against Jinder Mahal and the Bollywood Boys. It was great to see Jinder Mahal back. It was great to see Indu Shur back from exile after basically spoiling Keith Lee's NXT Championship win and, and then being taken off television. So Indu Shur back wrestling. We'll see if that means anything going forward. Uh, Mahal countered the Claymore with a flying knee. McIntyre came back and caught Mahal with the Claymore right as Indu Shur hit an assisted elevated elbow drop from the middle rope for the win. So I, I thought it was an interesting match. Indu Shur certainly proved that they belong in NXT getting opportunities. It is weird that they were not included in the Dusty Cup, but it also makes a little bit of sense because if you put those guys in the Dusty Cup, they're going to have to win the entire thing. So probably smart keeping them out. I do wonder though what's keeping them off television because they could definitely get spots in NXT and have a AOP-like impact. And if you're not going to use them in NXT, then move them over to the United Kingdom and use them in NXT UK. These guys should be on television. It was good to see Jinder Mahal back. I really wouldn't hate him being back on WWE TV. I know they brought him back and then he got hurt. So he had to have surgery, but he's healthy and able to wrestle. So I think they can find a spot for him on Raw or SmackDown. I just don't understand why they wouldn't. I do have a DM slide here. From Atish Tawari at Atish911. Call it fellow countryman bias. I really enjoyed watching Indusher with Drew McIntyre. I think they deserve to be in the Dusty Classic. Hopefully we see them in NXT soon. Okay, so I probably should have read that before I talked about uh, Indusher and NXT. But Atish, I agree with you. I think that they definitely showed enough to be able to deserve that opportunity. The lone women's match on the show was Charlotte Flair and Serena Sandhu against Bailey and Natalia. Serena probably was the greenest out of any of the Indian talents we saw on TV. She sold Natalia's sharpshooter decently. Flair came flying in with natural selection, letting Serena get the cover on Natalia for the win. We saw AJ Styles against Jeet Rama. The bangled tiger gear that Jeet wore didn't really do him any favors, but he does have a lot of natural wrestling talent from his highly publicized history in India. You could probably put Jeet on the main roster tomorrow as a low-card guy or a job or just someone who could get a lot of work in. And I think it would work out if they did that. He could definitely be on NXT in a similar role, maybe some matches with Thatcher. This isn't necessarily a guy that I think is going to be a major superstar, but he showed the most talent out of anyone we saw from a singles perspective. 
Uh, Rama didn't submit to the calf crusher. Almost saved Styles from a superplex by holding his tights while he was on the top turnbuckle. Styles then hit the phenomenal forearm for the expected win. And I actually thought this was probably the best match on the entire show. It was pretty interesting. We had a eight-man tag team match. Rey Mysterio, Ricochet, Dilshur Shanky, and Giant Zanjir uh, defeating Dolph Ziggler, King Corbin, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Cesaro. Shanky kind of had some Indian Roman Reigns vibes. I mean, not at that level by any means, but you kind of saw like a couple flashes there like that. Everyone worked really well together. Mysterio hit a splash off Shanky's shoulders following a 619 on Cesaro for the win. Those big dudes, uh, Shanky and Zangier, they got some type of future if they can put it all together. Both seven feet, both pretty strong, pretty decent look. I don't know having two massive large Indian tag teams. I don't know how that works. You certainly need to separate them by brand, but I don't know. There was something there. So kind of curious to see if those guys develop into anything else. And then the opening match was Finn Balor against Guru Raj. Balor made this guy look decent, but Raj really has a lot of work to do. Balor hit a coup de grace and then the 1916 for the win. I was a little worried that this show would be like everything that they do in Saudi Arabia with Mansoor, where he just wins everything. But they didn't really go that way. They All the singles matches were won by the WWE superstars, both of them, two of them. And they did a good job having some of the Indian wrestlers working with major superstars to get victories for India in the other matches. So ultimately, I thought it was solid. I thought they did a perfectly fine job. It was interesting. I don't know how many of those they will do. Uh, I don't think they have that many countrymen from other places where they're going to go do special shows for other countries. Maybe they could do one for Japan. That would probably make the most sense. But I don't know. Maybe they could probably do one for Australia. But I largely found it entertaining. And and perhaps even more importantly, I didn't find it insulting. Like all the blood money in the sand shows. I know those are completely different. There's significant money behind them. They travel overseas. It's a totally different situation. I get it. But these didn't insult me. Those in so many ways do. So the superstar spectacle, best I can say, enjoyable. Let's give it like a six out of 10 or a three stars. Totally worth watching if you're a WWE fan and you like some of the superstars involved, which most of you do like those superstars involved. I do have one more DM slide though, before we get out of here. This comes from Jordan Reed at Jordan Reed nine. He said, obviously the Peacock deal is great from the dollars and eyeballs perspective, but what effect, if any, do you foresee on the on-screen product? Maybe this will change once the pandemic is better controlled, but with the lack of house shows and live audiences, it seems like WWE creative is becoming more insulated from fan feedback and criticism. You know, Jordan, I don't actually think that's true. I don't think WWE is any more insulated now than it's been previously because social media is so strong and people still get, they still understand what segments are being watched, whose names are being tweeted, who people are rooting for. They read all the social media pages, Reddit, et cetera. So I don't think WWE is necessarily insulated. I do think they might get a little bit more time to let things breathe. So if something wouldn't work the first time you saw it, let's say something like Alexa's Playground, WWE now has the opportunity to say, all right, that wasn't great. Rather than just trash it, we may have an opportunity to improve it. Something like Retribution. 
is a good example where retribution is still not necessarily good, but it's no longer horrendous like it used to be. They're winning matches. They have a spokesman in Ali, a guy on the forefront who can really cut a promo, and they're not as much of a joke as they used to be. So I do think WWE has the opportunity to develop and let things breathe, but I do not think they're insulated from criticism just because there's not fans. And and let's not forget, they're about to have WrestleMania in front of fans in April. This vaccine, knock on wood, knock on wood. I just scared my dog by doing that. Uh, This vaccine, hopefully everyone who wants it can have it by the early summer. So we're not that far away from fans being back. And that will certainly be great for WWE when they can have fans again. In terms of the other part of your question about it affecting the on-screen product, I don't think it's going to have much effect. The TV deals are still in place. Those are still extremely important. This is a licensing agreement for content, most of which WWE has already created. What could have an impact are the pay-per-views and the scheduling, maybe doing certain events, a King of the Ring special on the network every year, certain things that Peacock may want to bring additional eyeballs and subscribers. I could see changes to the pay-per-view scheduling, alterations, not so much changes, tweaks, um, and maybe a couple additional special events coming like the Starcade and things like that. That's where I think there may be an impact, but I do not really think day-to-day, show-to-show, Raw and SmackDown, this Peacock deal is gonna have any effect on the actual WWE product that we get, which by the way, look, we've said it, we say it on every show, we talk about WWE. SmackDown, operating almost at a 10 out of 10 right now. It's not at a 10. You know, it's eight, probably. Raw, not. Raw is probably operating at a four or a five. So there's room for improvement on Raw. SmackDown, there's not much room. It's operating at a very high level right now. So, you know, it's fair to group all of WWE together in one, NXT, SmackDown, and Raw. But if you were to average them out, it's really just Raw bringing down the average. The rest of the WWE product right now, NXT, NXT UK, SmackDown, the pay-per-views have been incredibly high quality. It's operating pretty well. It's just Raw that's having a lot of storytelling and booking issues and maybe coming out of the Royal Rumble. You know, fingers crossed, knock on wood again. I won't do it this time. Uh, I don't want to scare the dog again. Uh, Hopefully those get fixed for Raw and maybe the product actually improves across the board rather than just in certain segments of it. But I do appreciate you all listening to this very special bonus edition of the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. Thanks once again to the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, for joining me today. It's the first time I've ever got to interview Shawn one-on-one. It was a lot of fun. Do not forget that we will be back Thursday talking all things NXT and AEW, and we will be back after that on Sunday, immediately after the Royal Rumble goes off the air for instant analysis of WWE's first pay-per-view of 2021. Do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast and drop those five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. So that's it. This is the Silver King saying goodbye. There's one more person who wants to sign this show off. Listen, I believe that. We got something going that's really big. Look at the video scope right now and tell them about my Joe Madness. Tell them how strong it is and tell them Going, yeah, we to the twilight zone, yeah, and I hope Hogan's got no chance, does he? Does anybody have a chance because the Macho Man is it? And one of the greatest wrestling past, present, and future of ever life. Why? Say goodbye. Say goodbye.
And thank you all for listening. I got just three words left for you. Bye for now.